You are listening to the Gapcast. We're going to bring you to new heights and show you places you've never been. Tune in, sit down, get a warm can of Tesco Lager and sit down and enjoy this episode of Gapcast. Pubs will hardly ever open again. We're going to go all around the world and back again. We're going to cover everything here at the Gapcast. And I hope you're ready and hope you're strapped in. Do you reckon that vaccine's hard dodgy? Keep your arms inside the vehicle at all times. You are listening to the Gapcast and shit is about to get real. That Fergal Bowers over there. Hello people, what is the crack? How is all getting on? What is scrack a lacking? Um, any crack? It's actually not much crack these days. Um, well, it was a bit of crack, but the crack is kind of dwindling a bit. Well, I would say that it seemed like we we're on like the final stretch of this COVID shite. And we were heading for it. It was a bit light at the end of the tunnel. This Delta, this Delta variant has shown a bit of a spanner in the works. It's it's ruined the buzz. It's ruined the yeah, it's ruined the buzz a bit because it's kinda of like, oh, savage now. This is hopefully nearly we're nearly finished. And then there during the week they were like, we're not opening the indoor dining on on the the pubs and stuff on July fifth. Uh because of this variant. Because they don't know what the story is. But like oh I don't know. What is the crack anymore? I don't know who to believe. My head is fried. Who do you believe? Like, people are saying Neffet are being overcautious and just having no, um, like, zero risk, taking zero risk whatsoever. And then some people say um, that we're actually doing the right thing, being on the ball and not whacking, up, uh, whacking everything open until we know a bit more about the, the variant or else we could have a... Uh, a massive outbreak on our hands and then we'd be even more fucked going forward um, I don't know like just so sick of this <laughs> sick of this shit someone I just want to ask someone like here what's the crap I want to ask all these people like what's the story um, why are we I don't know I just have so many questions I want to ask I want to bring someone I want to bring George Lee on the show hey George Lee welcome to the Gaffcast take a seat there do you want a biscuit do you like Mikados? Great, because they don't have any. Do you like Digestives? Because I have a few of them, but they're all broken up and they're a bit dusty. But your luck, they'll do. Bring in Tony Houlihan as well. We can all have a big threesome of questions here at the Gaffcast. Tony, or George Lee, if you're listening in, hey, there's a seat here at the table for you on the Gaffcast. Come around and uh, debate. Like, they're probably like... Neffet are probably doing the right job. They're saying that they have no independent uh, overseers or whatever to scrutinise all this advice that's coming out and stuff. Um, I did see Tony, Tony Hulahan said that he'd agree with that. Um, he wouldn't mind Neffet having a bit of independent oversight. You know, uh, qualms about that happening. But fucking hell, how did he, why is it even called Delta? Delta Airlines. Um, and Corona Beer and Delta Airlines getting a bad doing. Like this, isn't there always going to be another variant? I suppose like there's always going to be new variants coming out. So we're going to we're going to do this forever. Well, they're probably doing it until a dish more vaccines out, which our, our health system is shite. So we can't really afford to have a lot of people landing in hospitals. Uh, I don't know. In other news, anyway, Britney Spears' alibi seems like a can't. Um, Britney Spears. 
she was in a conservatorship with her old boy. So I was looking it up. I was like, what the fuck is that? But it's like where... So back in 2008 when she had that breakdown, uh, do you remember she shaved the hair off and all that crack? Which I, I could actually completely understand where she's coming from. Like, I might just shave me a hair off right now uh, with this with the crack that's going on this year. This <laughs> deadly variant. Just have a complete breakdown. Uh, but yeah, she shaved her hair off and all that stuff. And then because she was like mentally uh, ill, she had to get someone to mind all her affairs and stuff and look after all her stuff. And yeah, her alibi took over. And yeah, some serious claims made that she like she wasn't allowed to take out uh, this IUD contraceptive device. <laughs> so it was like forced contraception and she wasn't allowed to do anything like. Um but the judge ruled there during the week and decided to deny uh her request to get rid of the conservatorship. So I don't even know uh what story there is. Britney Spears. Um just goes to show you though with the old fame. Um things kinda went downhill. Like she said to everyone to think, Oh, it's Britney Spears that uh, she's living the dream. But living the dream she was not. And uh struggled struggled a fair bit. I think she has two children. Um but yeah, she's apparently she's not even allowed like get into a car and drive around uh with her boyfriend uh or get married to him. Like her current boyfriend. She's not even allowed to do a few laps at the town with her boyfriend. Or go in and get an old Chinese of a Friday evening with the boyfriend in the car. She has to stay at home when he goes in and collects the Chinese. Or the other way around. But either way, they can't go in to get the four and ones together. Uh, that is lousy. And her alibi... I, I th- there was someone asked, he said... Like, so he was like, I think up until just recently, he was like the main head of the conservatorship. Like he was the main one looking after our affairs. But to someone else, um, that was appointed now, uh, some woman, I think, and she um, is looking to edge to get made permanent. And I don't think Brittany wants that. And the old boy, um, Brittany's old boy was like um, trying to look out for Brittany. This is what he was saying. And he was like, oh, that person that's, um, currently the main head of the conservatorship is looking to gain control maliciously and that uh, Brittany was vulnerable and she was just trying to take control of all her stuff. So I don't know. Brittany Spears, though, a good few tunes like, like Hit Me Baby One More Time and Toxic. I was always a fan of Toxic when it came on in the Ireland nightclub. Um, <laughs> With my taste off your lips. Uh, oops, I did it again. That was always a great one as well. That was around 2007 job, I'd say. And uh, Womanizer. That was a great old toe tapper. So it was. Now, she really was the princess of pop. But uh, it was sad the way it all worked out. Hopefully um, they can get all this sorted. And at least she can like live in a bit of peace. Hopefully. And England won the won the their match in the round of sixteen there in the Euros. I had a bet Germany 
I didn't see that coming, uh, to be honest. And oh no, like I, I turned on Sky Sports News that evening just after one, and like you can just see why nobody wants them to win. Like they were saying, oh, they're like, oh, Gareth Southgate will never forget his legacy. It's like here he just he just won a just won a round of sixteen match against Germany, like with some of the best players in the world. Like a few weeks ago, he's just slating them. And they would have absolutely slayed him if he had the loss. So they're talking about his legacy after winning a round of 16 match. Like, like no, I can't deal with this. If they, oh, even even if they get to the final, like, they have a handy enough run. Now, um, like, God, Lord, if you're up there and you're listening in, it's your boy Darren. Please, please, don't let England win the Euros. I won't be able to handle it, like, Really, um, no, please don't let that happen. Come on, Ukraine. I actually like Ukraine as well. Do it for the, do it for Ireland, Ukraine, please, and the rest of the world. Like, it'll be so unbearable. Like, it really, really will be unbearable. And then like Declan Rice as well, and Jack Grealish. Fair enough. Like, yeah, obviously they're going to change uh, allegiances. Like, want the both born in England, and yeah, but oh. No, we couldn't be dealing with that. So come on, Ukraine, do do us now a favour, put in that shift, and put them out, please. One rider hit a fan, I think, at the side of the road. Tony Martin and the entire peloton has crashed, pretty much. I don't know if any have seen it, but um, there last week, a couple of days ago, uh, you won fucked up the Tour de France with a big sign. I think the sign. I'm not 100% sure what I said again, but it was like written in half German and half French, I think. And she just plonked it out in front of all the bikes and they all milled into it. And yeah, she caused like one of the biggest accidents ever at the tour. It was like dominoes. They all went flying down. And yeah, she's being sued. She's going. She's been brought to court anyway for negligence. Um, I think that's fair. Like, you can't be at that, like sticking out a big cardboard sign. And them flying. I think they'd be going at, on average anyway, like around 40 kilometres an hour. Um, yeah, she just fucking knocked them all over. And it was a bad outcome. Like if it goes up on the upper view of all the bikes and they all just go smashing into the ground. Yeah, one rider so far anyway had to completely retire from the race from all the injuries he got. Um, I think he was a German cyclist. So like after all the training and everything from the tour, it's just over. Um, that was reckless behaviour to be at I had feeling such a dumbass afternoon that as well like just like what are you at um, I don't know if she'd get stuck on the road like she obviously wasn't wasn't too concerned about what could possibly happen um, that rate like the Tour de France always interests me because like I think cycling is just one of the most uh, painful sports like cycling around on a bike with a saddle the width of a butter knife and it just cutting the hole yeah. and you cycling up a hill in like the heat and the sun like beaming down on your face and like oh painful yeah them cyclists just love pain and then you see their crashes as well like you're just nothing to protect you I know you have a helmet but you're just smack into the tarmac and oh, I just think excruciating sport um I was watching a few documentaries about Lance Armstrong there recently and yeah, he seems like an awful cunt. 
And <laughs> you can see why he's the type of lad who do what he did um, on the stuff. He was on some amount of, of drugs, like on just all the performance-enhancing drugs that he could get his hands on, just loading them into him. He's about to explode on the bike. And it's funny as well, because he doesn't really have any remorse for what he did. He was kind of like, ah, sure. If I didn't do it, if I didn't win it with all this stuff, I mean, someone else would. But then I did watch Icarus, that thing where your man is like experimenting. He's just like an, an average kind of cyclist. And he does like, goes on a doping um, routine. Yeah, so he's on like that doping plan. And he's building up for, for weeks and weeks. But like he's still... He, he he has like a minor improvement in his performance, but like not major. Like so, like the thing is, obviously Lance was still class, but he wouldn't have been able to do all that without the, the drugs. Obviously, um, Asher, I'd say there's so much. Like I don't know if it's still going on in cycling. Really, sure, it hardly is. But apparently, back then, uh, like the nineties, I think it was say the eighties as well. Now nah, it was just uh, riddled with. Everyone was on stuff. Um, yeah. There's actually, that's a savage documentary though. I think it's just called Lance. And there's a few episodes in it. It was on RT there a few few um, months ago. And I definitely weren't watching it. So it is. Uh, it's just mad, the stuff that went on. Um, oh wait, I said the amount of, like the amount of, I said there's some amount of medals won at the Olympics and stuff from people who are doping. Which you're never going to find out about. Like from years ago and stuff when the doping tests were like shite. Um, remember you won from Ireland was it Michelle Smith won all the medals in the the swimming and uh, she was like shite beforehand and she came out of nowhere and she was <laughs> whipping all around her everyone's like that's a bit dodgy there she, she looked like a, a fish she was going like, she was going so fast she was like a shark in the water I think there was another swimmer there who had been like the world champion she was like what is going on like, who is this girl this, um, this girl's come out of nowhere I don't know how much she won a good few medals anyway. And then to find out she was doping after. But the funny story was, I remember hearing that uh, she had to get a urine sample. <laughs> to give into the lab, check out what was floating around in her system, which I'd say was highly toxic of stuff. I'd say if you drank that and you'd be you'd do the same, it'd be that there'd be that much drugs in, in that urine that you'd win all the gold medals as well. Um but she they replaced someone snuck into the lab and replaced her urine with whiskey. And someone on our team, which is quite funny. Then they tested him like this pure whiskey here. Like hardly pissing pure whiskey. Anyway, she had to give them she had to give the medals back. And then there was the time we won the we won we won a gold medal with the on the show jumping, but the the horse was on stuff. So that got taken back as well. Um I don't know, Ireland should just stick to that. We should just create an old doping regime, do what the Russians were doing. So we win a feck all gold medals anyway. So it'd be a good crack to win them for a while. Like, you know, everyone thinks, geez, Ireland are hard good. And like, you have to give them back in a while after, like, whatever. But at least we can, like, cheer them on and, like, celebrate. Like, just say, imagine if we got, like, I don't know, 20 gold medals at the Olympics. And we could all go mental in the country. We could have a nice session to celebrate 20 gold medals for Ireland. And, like, just whip every, like, wh- even, like, just dope, like, so much. And, like, get an Irish person into the 100 metre final and just bait all the lads from Jamaica and the USA and, and Trinidad and Tobago and all them real fast fast sprinting countries just some Irish lad real pale skin ginger hair just standing there at the start line frotting at the mouths on so much drugs 
<laughs> the, him sweating buckets. Like a bit suspicious about this lad. I think he may be on drugs. And he just <laughs> just zoom, zooms down the, <laughs> the hundred meters like a car. <laughs> Jeez, that lad is fast. Uh, he was always fast, so he was a fast, hard, fast young lad. <laughs> he doesn't even stop at the end of the race, just keeps going, goes through the back. <laughs> Goes through the barriers and up to the up to the stadium and, and runs the whole way home. <laughs> Doesn't even stay there to collect his medal. I think that lad might be on drug on drugs. Do you want to test him after? <laughs> him his bloodstream just like a hundred percent drugs, a hundred percent PEDs. Just it'll be flammable, flammable urine. Even an Irish lad in the. And they're like one of the long races, like 4,000 metres or whatever, up against the boys from Ethiopia and Kenya. <laughs> Just raring to go. <laughs> Where did this lad come out of? Just, <laughs> Just Irish dancing at the start of the race. <laughs> the camera zooms up on him and he's just there doing a jig. This lad doesn't look well, hey. The African boy's like, where? This boy's not well, look at him. Him just like, not even, not even wearing... Uh, any sprinting gear or any of the or spikes or anything or the the little bib thing a siglet or whatever whatever it's called just standing there in jeans and a t-shirt <laughs> and a pair of shoes a pair of boots working boots just raring to go because he doesn't even he doesn't even need that stuff because he's done that much performance enhancing drugs it doesn't even matter to him it, it doesn't even nothing will hold him back he doesn't need anything <laughs> oh that'd be so funny we should actually do that like at least we could that's what I'm saying. We could all we could win a few gold medals, right? And then we could celebrate them. And sure look, if it comes out after that there was a bit of shady business going on, sure look at that happens. But at least we at least we get to celebrate for a while. So I think that's what we should do. I think like Putin was involved with like the the whole doping strategy above in uh, Russia and all that. So like uh Michal Martin get on that high, start doping the Irish athletes and uh win a few gold medals, bring them home. Or uh, until we have to give them back again. And now it is time for the GaffCast movie of the week. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for hitting me up with a few movie suggestions there on the Instagram story there last week. There was a few tasty ones in there. And yeah, obviously I could only pick one. I will get around to watching them. Um, though some I had never even heard of. And I, I looked up the trailer and they looked really, really like interesting and decent. So it was great to get, it's always good to get an old movie suggestion of someone because there's a lot of movies out there you wouldn't hear of. And like I'd be fond of it, like a decent movie. So, and there was a lot of good ones in there and I, I will get around to watching them. But the movie, I picked one this week because I had it on DVD from years ago and I hadn't seen it in ages. And it was a, it was a surprising little suggestion. Probably not many people have seen it. And it came out in 2003, I think, starring the man himself, Colin Farrell, a good uh, Dublin actor. And the movie is Phone Booth. <laughs> phone Booth. To hit a movie about a man in a phone booth, would you believe? You wouldn't have guessed that from the name, that it's about a phone booth, but it is. It is about a phone booth. <laughs> and uh, oh, it's such a weird film. Like, I'd say that... The cost of making this film was uh, fairly low because, like, the scene, the set is just a phone booth. <laughs> um, maybe that's what they planned. 
they were like, oh, we don't have enough money to make and change scenes, so we just stick it here for this phone booth. But like, it's a, it's different. So it's one, you know, one of them rare films you just have on DVD from years ago, and it, it was just in the house. And uh, it's a thriller. There's no doubt about it. And the the plot is funny enough. Like, um, it's strange. So like, Colin Farrell is like he's an arrogant kind of New Yorker. He's a publicist, and uh, he has a wife, but he's cheating on her. His wife, uh, Kelly, and he's cheating on her with a woman named Pam. And he's in, like, Times Square, and he was in to make a call in his phone booth and uh, to, to get on to, to call Pam. And next thing, this lad rings him. So as soon as he finishes the call to her, to Pam, the phone rings, and it's this man, and... He's threatening him. He's like, if you don't do everything I tell you, I'm going to shoot you. <clears throat> yeah. Isn't it funny? You hear a phone ring and it could be anybody. But a ringing phone has to be answered, doesn't it? What? I hope you realize how you've hurt my feelings. Who the fuck is this? Don't even think about leaving that phone booth. And he doesn't admit that. He doesn't, Shu doesn't believe. So Colin Farrell's character, Shu, doesn't believe that your man is a serious or that he's fit to kill him. And he uh, demonstrates that he's not, he demonstrates his seriousness by he shoots this little robot that's like, <clears throat> a little Thai robot that's like walking on the ground uh, outside the phone booth and he shoots it with the sniper rifle. And Stu knows then that uh, this lad isn't messing around. And he wants, he wants Stu to admit to Pam and to Kelly that he's uh, doing the dirt. Um, or else your man is going to like shoot him if he doesn't do what he's telling him. Which is strange because like this man uh, with a sniper rifle up in the building is putting himself on some sort of moral high ground here. He's like, here, tell your wife that you're cheating or I'm going to shoot you. Um, which, which begs the question, if uh, which is worse, like like cheating or, or killing someone? You know what I mean? Like your man thinks that he's doing the God's work doing God's work uh, up at the sniper. But at the end of the day, he's actually killing someone, <laughs> like shooting someone to death. And he tells Stu on the dinger as well that he shot two lads last week. I think one was a stockbroker um, who who are also um, not living a very honest life. And they don't do what he tells them when he shoots them. And because he has like a silencer on that and the sniper rifle, um, when he shoots them, some people think that it was like a robbery because no one like hears the gunshot. So, and then she's like, oh, I remember them hearing about them two killings there a few weeks ago but everyone had thought the door just a mugging someone had ran by and shot them or whatever or stabbed them or so that kind of spooks Stu um, but yeah I don't know what story which man is like here sort your morality out lad you're there shooting people you're not Mr. Nice Guy even if you are think you're doing the good thing you know like shooting killing someone is uh, is bad like it's one of the seven deadly sins so like you're you're not you're not a great lad really are you up there with your sniper and in the middle of the whole lot when he's in the phone booth these uh, prostitutes come over and start banging on the door and because they want to make a phone call and Stu's like here to fuck off and then they get their pimp over to sort Stu out he's just like big lad and he comes over and starts banging on the phone booth door and then actually makes a hole in it and is trying to get at Stu and your man with the sniper shoots him. Like, shoots your man. And your man falls to the ground. And then all... So that attracts a load of attention then. There's just a lad shot on the ground. So, 
everyone all around is looking around and it starts like gathering a load of people and sure the police are called and of course he's you know your man Forrest Whitaker he's in the butler as well he's always playing uh, like a a detective or a cop or like a, he's the captain of the NYPD and he pulls up and he's trying to negotiate with Stu and trying to find out what the hell is going on because no one actually seen him shoot sh- like it looks like Stu shot your man the pimp so no one knows what the hell is going on. So there's a load of confusion. So Stu is smart enough. So when he's on your phone to your man, uh, like on the phone bird phone, he rings his wife Kelly on the dinger. And they're all like uh, Kelly and Pam and you know, all these people are all out around the phone booth now. And he rings her on his mobile and like holds it up kind of. So the man with the sniper can't see, but she can hear the crack on the phone call. So the police managed to, Track the call to like an uh, an apartment over our head, like really high up, uh, to track your man with a sniper rifle. And then they bust in the door and you find no one there but a pizza boy from earlier who tried to give Stu pizza when he was in the phone booth. It's just really weird. And then next thing, Stu comes busting out of the phone booth and he admits to all the onlookers and his wife and Pam that he's been a snake. He gets shot with a load of rubber bullets and he's all disorientated and he's lying in the back of, a, of an ambulance like and he's just sitting there and the real caller, your man who's the sniper, comes walking by where he's all disorientated and just looks at him and then it warns Stu that if he's not like completely honest from now on that he'll come back. <laughs> then your man disappears into the crowd. Oh, like It's it's a savage out ending to it like, but uh, yeah, I don't want a story with your man. Like, your man needs to sit... The man the sniper thinks he's Mr. Good Guy, but like he's hardly, if he's going around shooting people, killing people. It's kind of like a a Saw. You ever see, if you've ever seen Saw, uh, any of the Saw movies, that kind of vibe where they, like, they select people who are like, um, who aren't living like really good lives and not being totally honest with, all, with, their, with the people around them and stuff. And uh, they just put them through this torture, which uh, is strange. Like moral compass is all, moral compass is all over the spot there. But uh, yeah, great movie. Um, it's like completely different. Like, like you, you may or may not like it uh, for that reason, but I definitely recommend Give It a Now Watch. Ten, that old clock's ticking. About time to say goodnight. This is the last call for alcohol this evening. And that is that, folks. We've come to the end of this week's episode. I'd like to thank you all for tuning in, and I hope you've enjoyed. And yeah, don't forget to follow, subscribe, and like the podcast. And all that kind of jizz jazz. <laughs> and yeah, I hope you have a great weekend and enjoy this lovely weather we're having. Uh, I think it might be around the weekend, but look. Anyway, I don't know, that could be lies. And see you all again next week here for some top quality crack at the Gaffcast. See you. Good luck. <laughs>